Hollywood is filled with winners and losers. Actors and actresses break into stardom and fall from it just as fast as movies break box office records or debut in empty theaters. Most of what Hollywood produces is a gamble, and sometimes there is a winning streak and sometimes there isn't. Some believe in dumb luck, but others believe something more sinister or at the very least some sort of universal cosmic law is at play. Break the law and you find yourself begging to be in an Andrew Dice movie. In Hollywood lore, there are some films, like we discussed in the last episode, that are believed to hold a curse. They sometimes are wildly successful, but have somehow seen tragedy befall their cast and crew. On this episode, we will go over a few of the movies that are said to hold curses, and one that is so cursed that since the script was written, the movie has not even been made due to all the bad luck and tragedy. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 3, Episode 8, Cursed Movies. For generations, the Thorns have been a family of tremendous wealth, position, and power. The perfect marriage of Ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife Catherine was fulfilled by the birth of their son, Damien. And then... When the child was five years old, something terrible happened. And then it happened again. Was it an accident? Was it murder? Was it a coincidence? Or was it an omen? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. 20th Century Fox presents a film of psychological suspense about an occurrence of earth-shaking importance. Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. I was at the hospital, Mr. Thorne, the night your son was born. I saw its mother. I saw its mother. I have fears. I have fears. Kind of fears. It's mother, Mr. Thorne. It's not my wife. It's mother. What is it you're trying to say? His mother was a This is not a human child. Make no mistake. There are those who die for him. There are those who will kill for him. Who is he? What does he want? Where did he come from? And can he be stopped? Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. If this is the truth, where does it end? No film in history has had worse luck than The Omen. During filming, scriptwriter David Seltzer's plane was hit by lightning, causing the plane to make an emergency landing. Four days later, star Gregory Peck's plane was hit by lightning, causing a near catastrophe. And then two days later, following that incident, Mace Neufeld, executive producer, was flying when lightning also hit his jet 
causing an electrical malfunction in the cockpit. Lightning kept leaping off the tail, totaling four strikes. During a production meeting six days later, the three experienced a power outage caused by an electrical storm overhead. The number of days the lightning strikes? Six. The number of lightning strikes? Six. The days they finally met together for the meeting? Six. 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 An omen? A coincidence? Or the start to the curse? Neufeld escaped one near-death experience to jump right into another. Shortly after, the Irish Republican Army bombed the hotel he was staying at during production. Lucky for him, he was uninjured. Days later, over a dozen of the executive staff and actors were scheduled to be in an upscale restaurant in London, and it too was bombed by the IRA. For unknown reasons, each of the dinner guests were late for the scheduled time but death quickly came to others. Before production began, Gregory Peck was cast as Ambassador Thorne, adopted father of the devil. He was excited for the role, but as he was reading the final pages of the script, his son picked up a revolver and shot himself in the head. Authorities and family could find no reason for his suicide. Gregory Peck grieved but flew across to the UK to work on the film as he was contracted to do so. The first scenes filmed were supposed to be eerie aerial shots of downtown London, England. Producers rented a plane and were scheduled to start the filming when the rental agency delayed the shoot and then offered up a different plane. The original plane that was to take several crew members high above London crashed shortly after takeoff, killing all the Japanese business members who rented the plane. Producer Harvey Berhard stated publicly, quote, the devil is at work and he doesn't want the picture made. Among the most memorable set pieces in The Omen is Gregory Peck being attacked by a pack of brutal Rottweilers. To shoot the scene, the highly trained devil dogs were supposed to attack a heavily padded stuntman. But something went very wrong, and the fake attack turned very real. The pack of snarling hellhounds nearly killed the stuntman, biting through his padding and refusing to stop even when their trainer ordered them to. The stuntman survived, but the cast and crew were very shook up. Sidney Bamford, a London animal expert, was working as a big cat wrangler for the production when he met his violent end. The film was originally to include a scene where zoo tigers menaced Damien, and Bamford was helping wrangle the animals. Bamford was attacked by one of the tigers and died violently. But the strangest death came shortly after the movie was released. On Friday the 13th of 1976, John Richardson, who consulted on the special effects of the movie, was driving in Holland. Richardson created the Omen's iconic death scenes. Among the most remembered is the bloody beheading of photographer Keith Jennings. Anyone who has seen the Omen remembers Jennings' head being separated from his body by a plate of glass, bouncing through the air and flying into the collective nightmares of mid-1970s America. But on that fateful day, Richardson would come to know death more personally and realistically. Driving with his assistant, Liz Moore, 
their car was hit head-on by another, causing a horrible accident. The head-on collision killed Moore, who was cut in half by the other vehicle's wheel, mirroring the on-screen death of the photographer from the omen. That's weird and tragic, but it gets even weirder. Richardson, dazed from the collision, opened his eyes on the lonely road, and the first thing he saw was a kilometer marking reading, Omen 666. The closest town to the accident was Omen, Netherlands, and the accident happened at kilometer 666. The omen was released June 6, 1976. Get it? Six, six, six. An omen reboot was released in 2006, on June 6th, of course, and continued The Legend of the Curse. This time, Peter Postlewaite, who starred as Father Brennan, was the victim of the devil's vengeance. During the filming, Postlewaite's brother died, reportedly shortly after drawing the wrong hand in poker. He was playing three-card draw, and the three cards he drew? Yes. Yes. Six, six, six. Now, some people don't believe in curses, and others, well, they may have Lady Luck by their side. And there is no better place to encounter Lady Luck than at MYB Casino. That is M as in money, Y as in yes, and B is in bravo. MYBCasino.ag is one of the world's top online casinos. And if you want to experience true Vegas-style blackjack or roulette from the comfort of your own home, now is the time. Because MYB Casino is offering our podcast listeners a 200% welcome bonus, starting you off with a huge bankroll. Just enter the promo code UNSOLVED. And best of all, when you win, they have a lightning-fast payout system that guarantees that you'll get your cash quick. For those who want a personal touch, they even have a live dealer casino with real people dealing out the cards. Whether you like blackjack, roulette, slots, or any other game, MYB Casino has it all. Not to mention, you can play all of their games on your cell phone, iPad, or tablet computer. It's entirely up to you. You can play from anywhere. So if you want to get in on the action, go to mybcasino.ag and sign up with them using promo code UNSOLVED to ensure that you're eligible for all of the future promotions and bonuses. Visit Vegas from your couch and try them out today. You play, you win, you get paid. Again, that's M as in money, Y as in yes, and B as in bravo, mybcasino.ag with your special code unsolved. A link will also be available in our show notes and on our Facebook page. Now, back to the podcast. Seven. Originally the smallest apartment was a nine. It had been broken up into four, five, and sixes. This room, for instance, it would make a lovely nursery. Oh, it's a wonderful apartment. I love it. Let's have a baby. Really? Congratulations. Many cast of a 
as a herbarium. I'm gonna have her make a daily drink for you. sure that you got the one that was on his bed. Read what they do, Guy. They use blood in their rituals. Monsters. Rosemary's Baby is a 1968 Roman Polanski film about a Manhattan woman whose husband signs a pact with the Satan-worshipping cult next door. The first unlucky soul was Christoph Kamita, the movie's composer. Details of his death are still scarce, but Polanski told it this way. In autumn of 1968, then 37-year-old Kamita was roughhousing at a party when he fell off a rocky escarpment and into a four-month coma. The very same affliction Levin's witches used to kill Rosemary's suspicious friend in the book. Kamita never regained consciousness and died in Poland the following year. In April 1969, producer William Castle, sick with worry from the hate mail he received constantly, was suddenly stricken with severe kidney stones. While delirious in the hospital, he hallucinated scenes from the film and was said to have yelled, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop the knife. Castle recovered, just barely, never made a Hollywood hit again. But the main story surrounding the curse surrounds Roman Polanski. Polanski had relocated California alongside his new girlfriend, actress Sharon Tate, who was fresh off her first movie role as a witch in Eye of the Devil, just before filming began. She had gunned hard for the lead role in Rosemary's Baby, but Paramount cast Mia Farrow. Tate instead loitered around the set, appearing uncredited like a ghost in the background of Rosemary's young people-only party scene and some say becoming increasingly obsessed with the occult. Many years later, a friend quoted her in print as having said, the devil is beautiful. Most people think he's ugly, but he's not. Polanski last saw Tate, by then his wife and very pregnant, 
in July of 1969, noting in his autobiography a grotesque thought. He thought he would never see her again. Tate was brutally murdered on August 8th by the Manson family, as was their unborn son, all while Rosemary's baby still lingered in the theaters. Unable to make sense of such a tragedy and captivated by the stories of the Manson family, the public took to Satan and curses as the only explanation. Internet fanatics say Polanski made his young wife a blood sacrifice for his still untouchable status in Hollywood and beyond. Others maintained the Manson murders were a mere moment in a grand satanic conspiracy scored by the Beatles. The White Album was written largely at an Indian meditation with Mia Farrow in attendance. The song title Helter Skelter was scrawled in blood at the crime scene. And a dozen years later, John Lennon was assassinated in front of the Dakota, the same hotel used in Rosemary's Baby. The curse of Rosemary's Baby almost affected every horror movie fan, but somehow the curse was squashed by producers who thought that a sequel entitled Son of Rosemary and about a flamboyant gay son of Satan was just a little too much for audiences to accept. Phew, we dodged one there. And if you thought perhaps that script was supposed to be a comedy, pay close attention to the next cursed film that is actually a comedy with a dark past. In fact, the comedy was so cursed, it never saw production go beyond a few days. And to this day, the movie has never been completed and is said never to leave the studio house because of its curse. United Artists holds the rights to the movie, but the unproduced screenplay has been floating around Hollywood since the early 1970s. Atuk tells the story of a very chubby Inuit who visits New York City for the first time and is based off the Mordecai Rickler's 1963 novel, The Incomparable Atuk. Producer Norman Jewison purchased the rights of the book in 1971, and screenwriter Todd Carroll pumped out a draft, but it's yet to be filmed. But that's not for the lack of trying. It's just that, according to the curse, the script kills any actor that expresses interest in the lead role. When the script was developed in draft form, Todd Carroll had one actor in mind for the lead role the star of Saturday Night Live, Animal House, and the Blues Brothers, John Belushi. When offered the script, Belushi is said to have likened the character and story and was on board to play the lead role. When preparations were being made to find executive producers for the upcoming film, the excited scriptwriter was told that things had come to a sudden halt. Belushi was found dead at the Chateau Marmont Hotel in Hollywood. His death was initially ruled an accidental drug overdose, though his friend and drug dealer, Catherine Evelyn Smith, was eventually charged with manslaughter. The team behind Atuk believed they had a great movie that just needed a great lead, like John Belushi. They couldn't find anyone to match his comedic wit and acting ability until six years later when they saw a rising star, the brash comedian Sam Kinison. In quick meetings, without much discussion, Kinnison took the role. 
His manager promised him creative control over the project, and when initial filming was to begin, Kinnison arrived on set with script rewrites that shocked the entire crew. Studio executives were furious, and there were very heated arguments with Kinnison in full Inuit costume, stomping about, swearing, and throwing things about. Eight days into production, the studio had had enough, and production was halted. Kinnison said he would follow the original script, but would give a very, very bad performance and sink the whole movie. United Artists sued Kinnison for threatening to give an intentionally bad performance. After being served, Kinnison's manager dropped the comedian. A toque would also be dropped from production. Only a few years later, Kinnison, a known alcoholic, was killed in a head-on collision on California's US Route 95. The irony is that Kinnison was sober, while the 17-year-old who hit him wasn't. Sources who were there that day tell a chilling tale saying that before he died, Kinnison seemed to carry on a conversation with something no one else could see. He said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He paused and listened. Then he asked, but why? And after listening again, he quietly muttered, okay, okay, okay. Two years later, Atuk was making the rounds again, and this time the role was offered to a character actor and comedian, John Candy. He asked to read the script through first before making a decision. John Candy was reading the last few pages of Atuk when he was struck down by a heart attack. It was just hours before the anniversary death of John Belushi. Michael O'Donohue, who was a writer and comedian himself, had worked on the script from the very start and had recommended the role to Belushi, to Kinnison, and to Candy. The curse, however, was said to have had enough of him just a few months after Candy died. Michael died of cerebral hemorrhage at just age 54. Atuk sat on dusty studio shelves until it was revived in 1997. This time, the role was offered to another comedic star, Chris Farley. He had been given the script to read over and left a message to his manager that he would accept the role. The next day, he was found dead in his apartment in Chicago. It was later revealed he died in the same manner as Belushi, a drug overdose. Studio executives were once again sighing and quickly running out of chubby comedic actors. The call went out to Dan Aykroyd, who turned the role down. David Spade also turned down any notion of working on the film citing his slender, toned body would not work for the role. Rumor in Hollywood and among comedic actors was that the curse was very real and that those that doubted it would soon get another realization that a two was not to be touched. Shortly after Farley's death, the film was being revived once again. Even though no lead was cast, others were on board, including Canadian-American actor Phil Hartman, appearing on eight seasons of Saturday Night Live and voice acting on The Simpsons and various feature film productions. Film Hartman was to play a supporting role in the upcoming film, but on May 28, 1998, while asleep in his Encino, California home, his wife crept up on him and shot him point blank in the head, killing him instantly. A few hours later, she turned the gun on herself and committed suicide. 
The Tuke script was listed as an item in the police report. It was located on his dresser. United Artists then dropped all meaningful production. The script is said to be sitting in a drawer and will probably not see production. When discussing the Tuke production, some reference book curses. Popular in medieval times, book curses inflicted utter ruin on anyone who stole an important tome or document from its intended owner. Considering John Belushi, the original owner and character of Atuk, died before making the film, could the curse of Atuk be a book curse? The role was written specifically for him, after all. So what is a book curse? Before we dive into the deep end, let us take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. Let me tell you about an app that will help you find the cheapest hotel rooms. It has over 1 million downloads so far and has a 4.5 out of 5 star rating on Google Play and 5 out of 5 on Apple. Simply go to www.experiencethis360.com and click the link at the top that says Best Travel Deals. Then drop down to Best Rate Hotel Mobile App. The app is free and you'll find savings of up to 70%. Again, that is www.experiencethis360.com. Now back to the podcast. In the Middle Ages, creating a book could take years. A scribe would bend over his coffee table, illuminated only by natural light. Candles were too big a risk to the books. And they spent hours each day forming letters by hand, careful never to make an error. To be a copyist, wrote one scribe, was painful. Quote, it extinguishes the light from your eyes, it bends the back, it crushes the viscera and the ribs, and it brings forth pain to the kidneys and weariness to the whole body. Given the extreme effort that went into creating books, scribes and book owners had a real incentive to protect their work. They used the only power they had, words. At the beginning or the end of the books, scribes and book owners would write dramatic curses threatening thieves with pain and suffering if they were to steal or damage these treasures. They did not hesitate to use the worst punishments they knew, excommunication from the church, and horrible, painful deaths. And if you think this is all just tragic coincidences stringed together by randomness, I suggest you visit our Facebook page, where you will find a copy of the original script to Atuk. Open the file, read it. Perhaps you may be the right lead for the role. Like to travel? I'd like to introduce you to another podcast about travel. It includes destination guides and tips and tricks on travel. The following is a podcast episode about the need to travel. If you like what you hear, you can head over to www.experiencethis360.com and listen online or subscribe on your favorite podcast directory or player. Just search Experience This 360 Travel. Enjoy. Hi, this is John from ExperienceThis360.com, and welcome to the Experience This 360 podcast, where we provide travel destination guides, tips and tricks, travel news, and information you can use to make your travels more enjoyable, exciting, and affordable.
Pop quiz. When was the last time you took a vacation? A real vacation. Not one of those staycations where you stick around town to finish a project at your home. Do you even remember your last vacation? If you don't, then you were officially vacation deprived. And you're not alone. Research from Expedia's 2017 Vacation Deprivation Report shows that 50% of Americans are vacation deprived and that approximately 462 million vacation days will go unused this year. The study also found that millennials are the most vacation deprived age group and that people who live in urban areas reported being more vacation deprived than those who live in suburban or rural areas. So what's causing the vacation deprivation? Not surprisingly, time and money, or lack thereof, were two of the most common reasons people reported not using their vacation time. Another large group of respondents said that even when they find time to go on vacation, they still struggle to unplug. A quarter said they still check email, check their voicemails every single day while on vacation, with millennials being the most common offenders. So let's find the perfect vacation for you. If you felt vacation deprived for the past year or longer, then there's no better time than the present to take the vacation you always wanted and leave your vacation deprivation behind for good. To get you started on the vacation of your dreams, we offer up these tips. Back to the beach. Many places throughout the Caribbean and Florida were minimally affected by the recent hurricanes and are welcoming tourists. Destinations like the Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Aruba, and the Bahamas are still the exotic getaways you always dreamed they'd be, and when you do visit them, you're actually supporting hurricane recovery efforts for the whole region with your tourist dollars. Book right. The holidays are a wonderful time to travel because schools and offices are closed. However, many other would-be travelers are thinking the same thing. That's why knowing when to book and when to fly is key for saving time and money. For Christmas travel, for example, we found that booking between December 5th and the 11th will yield you about 5% in savings. Furthermore, avoid the peak holiday travel days by leaving a day early or staying a day later. Bundle and save. Another often overlooked way to save a ton of money on travel is to book your flight and your hotel together with a rental car agency at the same time as part of a travel package. Booking as a package can save an average of up to $600 and that extra money will come in handy while you're enjoying your vacation or shopping for holiday gifts. Pre-check. Save yourself a lot of time and the security line headaches by applying for a TSA pre-check. You'll get to skip the longest lines at security and keep your shoes on. It is absolutely worth the $85 fee and your application lasts for five years. Now, start your travel plans today. If you've been vacation deprived, don't continue to settle for being just another statistic. You work hard for your vacation time. You deserve to get away. Pick a destination you want to visit, apply the tips we spoke of here, and start planning. It's the best way to turn yourself from another case of vacation deprivation into a vacation inspiration.
Thank you for listening to the Experience This 360 podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast directory. If you haven't already done so, visit our website at www.experiencethis360.com where you will find online destination guides and travel articles, as well as widgets and apps that allow you to save the most on flights, hotels, car rentals, airport transfers, taxis, airport parking, and much more. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. So like and follow us there so you never miss an update or travel opportunity. Until next time, happy travels.